I'm in the studio with Jay Harleen. 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 You are now in the studio with Jay Harleen. What's up, y'all? It's your boy Jay Harleen. We are in another episode of Starve Talk, and we're taking it all the way across the globe. So we got this brother here. Big Phil, I'm gonna call him Big Phil, <laughs> the Blurred mm-hmm. Explorer. And, um, you know, I, I really was excited about this interview because um, it's something that we don't have too many conversations about, especially not in the households, not growing up and things of that nature. If you are traveling in the black community, usually you try to keep it to yourself or keep it within your family. You always see that family that's always leaving for spring break, always going away for summers. And they're not coming back and having whole community conversations about it. It's just what that family does. And if your family's not doing it, oh, well. If you aren't, oh, well. So um, this brother here has created a situation where he wants to have a conversation all the time, every day, talking about Black people exploring the world and seeing how they can grow their families and grow in just in, in their stature by traveling the world. So without further ado, I want to introduce you guys to Big Phil. I, I coined that name. So you got to, we're going to roll with that. Big Phil, the Blurred Explorer. Okay. How you doing, brother? I'm doing good, man. How you we doing up there? Doing well, man. Now you're in Korea right now. So right, you yeah, know, yeah. you're the first person I interview in Korea. So Okay, nice. That's what's up, man. Uh, thank you for taking me out there with you. I, we really appreciate that. That's a big deal. Um, I don't take that lightly because you could have easily been asleep right now. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> so I definitely appreciate that. So let me put that out there for you. So again, let's let's walk, let's start from the beginning, man. You know, how did you get into traveling and um, you know, going out, out overseas? How did you get into that? Uh I would say uh always had interest in traveling, seeing other parts of the world. Mostly my first interest became because of uh, watching anime on a Cartoon Network. So I was thinking, okay, I always wanted to go to Japan, you know, just like in the early, mid to early, mid, late 2000s, of course. Uh, and, you know, growing up, like during the 2000s and during the 90s, 2000s, like now me personally, I did travel, my first trip abroad was to visit my dad while I was in Germany, but I was like, wow, like six or seven, like in like the late 90s. So I usually don't count that personally. Yeah. But uh, me, again, growing up, I, I always had an interest to see the world. But the problem was at the time, I think I and me, African Americans can agree, like, I didn't know, I never seen or ever heard of a Black person traveling all over abroad that wasn't in the military. Yeah. Like, ever. It just, it was just never a thing. Like, unless it was work-related or you may, or like may dance, like, you know, that's when you see a, a, her or seen a Black person, you know, traveling or living abroad. Other than that, you never, you never talked about that or seen it before. Yeah, you may have with that one aunt or uncle who may have done it before, but who does travel occasion, but it was pretty rare at the time. Yeah. And, so uh, where are you from originally? I'm from South Carolina. South Carolina. Okay, okay. What part? Uh, near a small town called Blythewood near Columbia, the capital of Columbia. <laughs> that, so this is a small world. So what you realize, this, this podcast was started in Columbia, South Carolina. Nice. <laughs> My, you know, so yeah, this is, see, you went all the way across the world and came right back to South Carolina. Yeah. So yeah, man, so from South Carolina, and imagine you were in Blythewood, so you saw Fort Jackson and oh, see, a lot yeah. of people in Fort Jackson going overseas. Yeah, about right, I would say so. Uh, well, my story's complicated. Let's just say I moved towards 
I kind of caught South Carolina my home, but I'm not really originally from there. I lived in different states. I lived in Washington, lived in Alabama, so mm. we've been kind of around. So I would say I kind of call South Carolina my home because that's why I finished high school and finished college there too. Okay. And so once you finished college, you know, what, what was your first trip? Did, was it in college or after college? It was after college. Uh, well, for me, like, it, okay, so back fast, we went back to 2015, you know, it was my last year of college, you know, like any seniors in university, trying to find a job, can't find nothing. And then uh, one day I saw an ad about the idea about teaching English in South Korea. And I kind of looked, you know, did some initial research about that. And I thought, okay, this might be a good chance to wait to travel the world, pay have my student loan debt and, you know, travel to other countries, probably go to Japan too. I haven't thought about teaching Japan too, English in Japan too, but I saw it in South Korea because it's a more well-known reputation. Okay. So you're, you was taken over there um, for work purposes. Right. Yes, sir. Okay. And so when you got to South Korea and you started working in South Korea, what did you see uh, that made you want to go to the next country, the next country and things of that nature? I think uh, it's just the idea because I'm so close, like in terms of like, especially going to Asia in general, like I'm in a pretty decent location. So if I want to go to like Thailand, Philippines, Malaysia, uh, Laos, Cambodia, I have like pretty decent you know, options and such. And, you know, and also if I wanted to say, try to hit the Middle East someday or maybe possibly Europe, might be a, I might have a good spot too. Yeah. Okay, so you get over there, you're teaching, you see that you're in the mm -hmm. proximity. Um, what happened between this like seven years, you said 2015, what happened between then and now where you, um, at what part would you say, okay, I need to write a book about this or what, what, what struck your heart about trying to help other black people, um, African-Americans get, you know, they're getting in their mind to travel abroad. Uh, my first thought, I've been actually been thinking about it for years. Like I had a little, uh, typical travel blog when I first moved to Korea in 2016, um, and, you know, or as, and I've been thinking for years, like, what can I do to, like, you know, maybe earn a little money, a little money and stuff, but also help Black people, too, at the same time, right? And then 2020 happened, and uh, it was around May, well, I was working at elementary school, you know, making a lesson plan for my classes and stuff, and then I came up, I was listening to a webinar series about trying to earn, like, side hustle money, right? And I thought, what's something that nobody has done before? And I looked, I thought, like, there's never been a travel guide specifically for African Americans, for Black people, for right. other countries. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you can find solo travel guides for men, solo travel guides for women. I think I see a few Black women solo travel guides, which are great, and they're you know good for their niche, right? But there wasn't nothing for like overall Black people, you know, for the everyday Black person could read and see uh, what it's like to travel into another country or city, but from a Black perspective, I guess. Yeah, and that's so the first book. Uh, so summer 2020, I wrote my first book called The Black Travis Guide to Incheon, South Korea. And I was living in the city at the time, so it was easier for me to get around. Okay. So you, you, what did you learn that for Black people, the benefit coming to this particular part of um, South Korea? Mm, well, for me, at least, it was more of a test drive because uh, I actually thought about using my first book as for Seoul, but I thought, okay, that'd be too easy. Plus Seoul... The city itself is very oversaturated. Like you can find almost everything, anything, you know, written about, talking about videos about Seoul. So I wanted to make my, I guess my content a little bit more different, kind of make me stand out a little bit. Okay. So that's why I focus on Incheon. 
what 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 is it about this place that that makes it that you feel like people but black people be attracted to it uh the nature well, well i mean south Korea whole has so much nature because like it's a mountainous country so it's like tons of mountains so everywhere you go so there's lots of hiking in that part uh, i feel like it's it's definitely an underrated city for you know exploration you find things to do it's a little bit more affordable than seoul and you want to go to seoul it's easy it's easy to make it there about uh, 35, 45 minute bus ride or subway ride to Seoul. Uh, I would say it's a good starting point in general. Okay. In terms of South Korea. So are you connected with the military, the American military that, that comes out there? Or do you get a chance to come across a lot of American military that's out there and, and get a conversation, get in conversation with them? Uh, I met a few military folk, most of them through the, the Smash Bros. tournament scenes over here in Korea, but that's about it. But I'm not, I'm not really that even connected with it. That's you think that making that connection can help out even with what you're doing as far as a travel guy? Because a lot of times, again, mm -hmm. you know, being I'm I'm you know being close to a lot of military people, like you know, I'm in the fraternity, my everybody in my line um was a mil is military except for me. So, you know, you get to know they've they've traveled all over the world, been in different places, Korea for one, you know, a lot of Germany, um, mm -hmm. Japan, things of that nature. So um I know that they're well versed. And so um, I just wanted to see if you had in, any interaction with some of them and seeing if they had any struggles or um, any any mm -hmm. tips that can help your readers um, in their journeys over there in places like um, Korea. No, uh, to be honest, I'll admit to that. I have not thought about that, but I may look into that for the third book too. Uh, maybe, you know, talk to them, maybe hey, let them know, hey, switch for the first time. Uh, black folk who are new to Korea don't know much or what to expect and stuff. So that could be, you know, a general idea I could try next time. What is some yeah, of the, um, go ahead, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, so the times I did talk to military persons usually either at a mutual event, like a trivia game night or like Smash Bros tournaments over here in Korea. That's about it. Okay. So what is some of the hardships you went through just making an adjustment coming from America and, and living in, in Korea full time? Mm, a lot. Like one, uh, going from a multi-diverse country like the U.S. Uh, to a homogenous nation like South Korea, where 95% of the population looks everywhere, looks all the same, no matter where you look. Uh, two, going to where a country where English is not the first language for everybody, for most of the population. And also, uh, me being tall, like I'm six seven, two meters tall. So of course, shopping for clothes, it's not happening over here for me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, most of my, I'll pretty much import all my clothes from Amazon. Like it's just so much easier that way. That has to be a a, a little bit of a struggle, you know. It can be like it, I mean, there is a decent chance. Like I'll be honest. So for those who don't know, so South Korea. It's like like many Asian cultures, cultures, uh, countries. Uh, their fashion attire, clothes, uh, is more about looking at appearance. So basically, looking like like slim. Mm -hmm. So I would say mm -hmm. there are some plus size clothes for plus size folk, but it's not as common. Like you don't find as many shops. It's really hard to find those shops. And again, like uh, if you want to find them, you most likely find them in the capital of Seoul. And that's like a four hour trip. I'm not riding a bus for four hours just to buy clothes. Like yeah, clothes is not worth it for me. So you, you wrote the first book. How did the first book do? How do you feel like it, it, it you were able to do? Did it did it um did you get a good I think it, for a first time author, like he did like okay, you know, it's been like big, big sales, of course, and especially for a niche market like I'm doing. So for a first time, it's like, okay, not bad. Let's do better. 
let's do better and better, you know? And I think like you could probably, I think like when you start a new adventure, like say a new podcast, use your channel or book, like you, from the first episode you do, first two episodes, yeah, you got, it's like a learning process basically. You did, okay, first is a test drive, next book, next episode, let's try to like, you know, do better. Like what can I do better? What can I do differently? Okay. And the second one, give us the name of the second book. Uh, the Black Travelers Guide to Daegu, South Korea, which is more for the South. Okay. So how did you get introduced to this portion, this this city? Oh, I actually lived there before from uh, 2018 and 2019. Oh, okay. I was working at a job there. So I had a chance to live in both Incheon and Daegu. What, what stood out to you about this one that, that, that made you say, okay, I want to put a book out about it um, for African-Americans? Mm. Uh, one, obviously, uh, well, there's a military base there in Daegu, South Korea. So there's a U.S. Army base there. So that could help a little bit. But also, I wanted to, I guess, have all the cities. Daegu doesn't get, as I would say, uh, as in terms of large cities, Daegu doesn't get much love compared because everybody wants to think when it comes to creating things out of Seoul, Busan, maybe Incheon, but no Daegu. Like Daegu is like the baby, like the baby in the family, basically. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, uh, Daegu has the famous fried chicken and beer festival too. So that's what gave him the extra win. Is it, is it like American fried chicken or is it just what they no, call Korea fried chicken? Now, Korea has old fried chicken. So for those who don't know, uh, African-American soldiers, when it came through, when the station during the Korean War, they taught Koreans how to fry chicken. Oh, okay. Yeah, and so that was in the Korean War after they left, and uh, I guess kind of during like a late 70s, 80s, like a recession over here in South Korea, many Koreans ended up opening up their own fried chicken restaurants. Wow. Yeah, and now like there's so many franchises, like everywhere you go in Korea, no matter where you go in Korea, you will always find a fried chicken franchise. It'd be a mom and pop or like a, a franchisee. Like you will find fried chicken places everywhere. I mean, everywhere. Wow. So how is the health over there? Is it, are they still more healthy than uh, uh, Americans? Or did it, uh, it's, you know, because yeah. it's not the most healthy. I mean, food. I mean, it's still kind of growing over here in Korea, but in terms compared to U.S. is more healthy. Um, a lot, a lot of the, they do have a lot of vegetables, uh, but most of it is a little bit high in soy, especially with kimchi. But also what makes uh, Korea unique is compared to U.S. is like, Again, I mentioned before, South Korea is very mountainous, so walking, hiking is very common. Okay. Like, especially if you're going to the subways, you'll be going down, like, basement level one, two, three, maybe four, when you're riding the subways in Korea. So you keep you moving, huh? Keep you, yeah, keep you moving. So when you come to Korea, man, make sure you get your leg days and core ready to go before you come to Korea. It'll make life easier on that front. Yeah, I understand. So, yeah, so the second book, you did that book. Um, how did that do, or how was it doing? I feel it's doing a little bit better for sure. Uh, and this time, what I did was I kind of did like a little Q and A section. I reached out to other Black people I know in South Korea, and I mm-hmm. wanted to get their stories of what their experience was like being Black in Korea and tell their side of the story. Yeah. So that's what I told. That's what I did for this book. Uh, and now I'm actually writing another book called The Black Trash Guide to South Korea. So I'm doing the travel guide for all of South Korea, the country of South okay. Korea. All right. So people back home. How was they, how did they receive it? Did you feel, did anybody say that they were interested in coming out and visiting because they, they got a chance to read your yeah. book? Yes, and other, other podcasters I went on uh, all said the same thing. They're, they're interested about traveling. They want to get a passport. They all want to come to South Korea after reading my books. So it's like just knowing that it seemed that people are interested. There's that desire to travel and desire now 
especially because of Netflix shows like Squid Game and whatnot, other K dramas and stuff. There's more interest in South Korea, but now when they saw these two books I wrote, now it's like okay, they're not only they're interested in the books, but also that the they want to travel to South Korea sometime in the future. Yeah, that, that's that's something. Um, you know, one of the things I've seen, you know, again, just traveling. Period. We we definitely have to do a little bit better at you know encouraging um, black people to know that the world is bigger than America, and sometimes yeah. is even the world is bigger than the city that you live in. Because yeah. you know, I grew up. I was born and raised in Newark, New Jersey, which is right outside of New York City. And there's so many people who don't even frequent New York City. Um, I remember being one of them uh, when I was dating my wife and we would come, she would come to visit me um, when we were in college in summer break and I would never go across the bridge. And she forced me to go across the bridge to New York. She was like, well, I'm gonna come in and stay in New York. You come over to New York with me. She's like, why did you never bring me over here? <laughs> because that we were just so, caught up in what was in our city, not worrying about yeah. other places. And she's from DC and I know people that lives in Maryland would not cross over to go into DC almost for nothing unless they just had to. And it's like so much there, but they just wouldn't do it. So um, it's crazy. So we have to start utilizing all the things that we have. And today is a global economy, a global world. Yeah. You might have something to sell that's not, the people in America not, might not like it, but every people in South Korea might love it, you know? Yeah. So how are you helping individuals to say, Hey, maybe a friend of yours, or maybe people, you know, have a business model that it's not as hurting, but you can open up to different markets with them in South Korea. Have you had those conversations saying, Hey, you having trouble over here, but they'll love that in South Korea. Uh, not that type of business. Cause now I can't really recommend that because, okay. uh, because each country, for those who know, like every country has different views of rules, regulations. So open up a business over here is kind of a little bit more harder because in this case, if you want to open up your own business in South Korea, you got you need to have like, I guess, Korean spouse. You got to be Korean. Wow. Yeah. So again, it makes, uh, keep in mind, each country is different with the rules, regulations about trying, if you want to start your own business. So keep that in mind. I love that. I love that. That's education. That's education. See? Yeah. yeah. Because again, every, yeah. people need to know that. People need to know that. That's a big deal. Yeah, yeah. So if you, yeah, you're right. Because I think um, I thought other people before, a friend or my sister before, like if you thought about, hey, if you want, if one business may not work here because you don't have access to capital or whatnot, maybe try other countries. I think I hear Portugal seems to be fine because I think this is a YouTube channel called Iris Journey. It was like a black couple who uh, who made became who through via investing with mutual funds, stock trading, they were able to become financially secure and quit their jobs. And and now a reason I wanted recent videos saying how. Portugal is like become more uh, friendly for people who want to open up businesses in Portugal, in the country of Portugal. So uh, maybe if one, if you have the idea for a business, maybe you could consider that. But of course, again, like with any country, every country is going to be different rules, regulations, and taxes. So before you pull that plug, I say look at everything. Look at the pros and cons. Don't make sure you don't sugarcoat anything when it comes to like uh, when it comes to living in in that country because. Yeah, traveling is different. It's fun and all, but that's temporary. You're going to try to live in another country, like, full-time. So you got to know the ins and outs, just like any mm -hmm. city. But I kind of want to circle back what you're saying about how some American, some our own people sometimes don't leave our own city. I think in general, like, most Americans never leave the city or their state, and they're proud of that fact. <laughs> I, mean, they, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that hometown love. It's like, dude, 
go live somewhere else. Like, if you're able to, go live somewhere, go live in another city, state, region, right? Even another country. Like, if you want to come back and sell, like, when, you know, sell down, have a family back in your hometown, hey, go ahead and do that when you're older and stuff. When you're in your 30s or 40s, like, at least in your 20s, like, go somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. I, I totally respect that. I mean, being a person, again, being from um, New Jersey and yeah. going to South Carolina for college, moving to Washington, D.C. I lived in Georgia for a while, back in South Carolina. Now we're in um, in Nevada. Like, mm-hmm. I, I appreciate seeing different scenarios. And I've traveled to multiple places in different countries and things like that. So I I, I understand it. You know, um, I understand it. What what has it helped you? How has it helped you? You know, uh, what do you see when you come back home? How do you how do you navigate when you come back home? You know, you feel like I, I got to hurry up and get out of here. Do you feel homesick? How, how do you feel? Honestly, like most people, they like when it comes to living abroad, some people are just not built for it. Like I get it's not going to be for everybody. Some people just say I, I want to be close to my family. I miss living over here. And again, there's some aspects of U.S. I miss like buying clothes and electronics. But in general, I just don't miss, miss living in the U.S. in general. Okay. Like. I'm not in a huge hurry to go back, even for visiting. I'm not in a huge hurry to go back, like because again, the world's so big. There's so many places I want to see. I want to do stuff, you know. And also, like when I went back, I actually went to visit some of my family members back in 2019. Uh, I mean, it was nice. I was happy to see them again, but it's like living back. I felt stressed out. Like I'm not feeling as happy I was as before. Um, and not to mention, I was kind of concerned because if I got sick, if I got injured while I was living, while I was visiting the states, like. I can't afford, uh, I can't afford a doctor. So I can't, I'm going to start stuff at the hospital. Whereas in other countries, like, oh, if I'm sick, I'll just go in, go to the doctor, uh, get checked out, pay the hospital's bill on the spot and just go home. I can't worry about the debt. I can't worry about deductibles, pension, and my network, all that American healthcare BS nonsense. I love that because, you know, they, people need to have that education. I've, I've met some people, especially like going to Africa. I never really talked to a lot of people going to Korea besides somebody in the military and they were always planning on coming home. But a lot of people now, especially African-Americans, like they'll get a chance to go to Africa, not like on a tourist piece, but like really go to like Ghana, somewhere like that, yeah. Nigeria. And then they'd be like, I'm not coming back. I don't want to ever come back. It's better here. You know, and they, you know, America has a lot to offer, a whole lot to offer, but they're settling for you know, saying forget all of the stuff that they have to offer for peace. Do you find that is is more peace or peace of mind being abroad than it is in America? I think so. Uh, I think for other African Americans, say it's like again, like you know, you don't you don't have to worry about the police for one. Uh, yeah, that's one big peace of mind. I, I whenever I travel around the world, like I don't have to worry about police trying to shoot me because I'm black. Uh, two. Again, healthcare. That's a great reason to like again, like other countries, again, like Canada, UK, they got you know universal healthcare systems. It's not perfect. I'm sure there's flaws that I'm not aware of. But I guarantee you, and just like with the pre-healthcare system, I wouldn't trade this. I would never want to go back to the American healthcare system. It's just knowing that peace of mind, just saying, again, like if I get sick, I can just go walk in, pay my bill, and just go home. Like I ain't gonna worry about going to debt for help getting checked out for treatment, you know. I love that, you know, um, again, I know you're talking about traveling or what have you, but um, it bears to question, you know, once you get exposed to something, 
Cause that's what happened for me pretty much most of the time. You know, I go someplace and I'm like, I can actually live here or I'm a, I'm an entrepreneur been that yeah. way full time for years. I look at opportunities and I realized, you know, not too long into it that my business can run anywhere for the most part in America anyway. And so if I see, like I saw Nevada didn't have what, what I was providing. And then when I brought it to Nevada, they were welcoming like, Hey, yeah, we need that. And so I'm like, all right, I'm out of here. <laughs> you know, no, no questions about it. So, you know, do you try to encourage people to just take the chance and see, you know, what, what the, um, these other places have in store and what, what it can probably offer you? Oh, definitely. Definitely. Uh, I say a uh, woman for quotes uh, is if you don't take risks, you can't create a future basically. Uh, yeah, from Uncle D from One Piece. Um, but yeah, I, but I definitely agree. Like, um, it never hurts to try because one, uh, I'll give you a real example. One of my best friends, Jamal Simmons from high school, uh, we left South Carolina at around the same time, almost like 2016, right? Because uh, his goal, like, he went to kind of like a graduate school in Florida uh, to work on like video uh, filmography, videography. Mm -hmm. And uh, because he left South Carolina, He's now working, he worked at Florida State. Um, he worked at, I think, uh, Charlotte, Bob, uh, Charlotte Bobcats, I think, state uh, basketball team. Yeah. He was mm -hmm. a camera guy. And now he's at Virginia Tech. He's he's the director of their, uh, I guess, film crew, I guess you could say. I'm not yeah. sure. Mm -hmm. yeah, but basically, he, like, you'll see him on the field, like, shooting the camera. He's the camera guy. Yeah. Yeah, and again, it's, like, it's one of those situations, like, uh, if you don't leave your state, like you don't, if you leave your city, like to go try working somewhere else, try to say, if you have an idea or it's a job you want to try in another city or state, like go for it. Like you've got nothing to lose. And again, if it doesn't work out, hey, at least you can say, okay, I, at least you can say, I tried it. It didn't work out for me personally. Let's just go home and try to reset, you know? Yeah. So what are some of the um, other opportunities? I know you said um, speaking, I mean, I'm um, teaching English mm -hmm. to um, Korean. Um, you know, citizens, but what are some of the other opportunities that African-Americans can possibly take advantage of as far as jobs um, out there in, in any of the cities um, that you mentioned or um, Seoul, anywhere in South Korea? Well, in general, uh, obviously you guys work for an uh, international company. I know that some people do, uh, especially I've seen on the tech talkers, like they, um, they kind of do like cosmetic, they work for like a cosmetic company or something like that. Mm -hmm. But again, uh, again, keep in mind, like when it comes to visas, it's kind of hard. Like mm -hmm. you have to like especially because for South Korea, you have there's obviously the most common visa for me. Like everybody else, like teaching English visa, English teacher visa. Uh, you can apply for a permanent residency visa, but the rules are always still changing, so it's kind of hard to like, you know, keep it up to date, and you don't know what's gonna happen. Uh, and of course, like specialized visa, like you know, engineers or maybe it's have a specialist doctor or something like that. Yeah. So again, those are ones that are a little bit more challenging to find, but if you, and they're tied to your employer. So if you lose that job, then you lose kind of like, you know, lose your visa basically. Okay. Okay. So again, again, this is for South Korea. Keep that in mind. Other countries are, have their own different rules. These rules regulations. Let's keep that in mind. So yeah. I different love house, different So the big elephant in the room, because this would be, I think people are going to really want to know this. Sure. How did you guys deal with COVID over there? Uh, well, compared to the U.S., uh, now, for those who know, many Asian cultures, wearing masks is normal. It's always been normal, normalized over here. So 
there wasn't a big, oh, my freedom, my rights, my mask. I'm tired of wearing a mask. So, again, we're all, we all have mask fatigue, COVID fatigue. Let's be real. Even I am too. But uh, so that was the easy problem. Uh, restrictions, unfortunately, uh, many businesses, they, many businesses, restaurants, bars, uh, many people lost their jobs due to the pandemic, especially in the restaurants, because South Korea has a massive drinking culture. It's very common for people to go out eating and drinking all the time. And so, of course, due to pandemic, due to restrictions, uh, many people, many bars, restaurants, they closed down. Unfortunately, the Korean churches, they, they continue to meet in regular, norm, at regular capacity, despite the COVID restrictions. Wow. And of course, that led to more outbreaks, more case numbers to, to churches, of course. Um, and recently, of course, there have been anti-mask, anti-vax uh, protests in the Gangnam area in Seoul. Mm -hmm. And again, now I'm pro-vaccine. When you vaccinate, I'm not going to push you on, right? But the danger I saw was there these uh, anti-maskers, anti-vax protesters, mm -hmm. the, the uh, mandates, the anti-mandate vaxxers. The problem was they were peddling misinformation, disinformation from non-credible sources. Yeah, and I actually made a TikTok video about this. Uh, this was back in uh, I want to say around Christmas time last year, and I looked, I kind of saw this picture of this quote-unquote doctor called Dr. Jane Ruby on this concern because had a poster of it in Korean, right, translating Korean, right? And it turned out the doctor, person Jane Ruby, she's not a doctor in medicine. She's not a credible doctor. She's not epidemiologist. She's a she has a doctorate in psychology. Yeah, and that's a problem. And this is. Korea problem but internationally there's uh COVID misinformation disinformation being spread in other languages because not everybody speaks English because you know most academic medicine scientists discoveries are going to be English right yeah so that's the danger I have again I'm pro-vaccine you get vaccinated if you want to I'm not going to push on you but again when those people who push COVID misinformation disinformation you're going to get people killed like that's how I lost, probably lost my aunt due to the pandemic because of people like that. Yeah. So we, um, the Blurred Explorer, mm -hmm. how did that come about? Uh, actually, my first title handle was uh, The Minority Traveler. But I decided to go for Blurred Explorer as I wanted to like kind of revamp model my content. And uh, for those who don't, Blurred means Black Nerd. Mm -hmm. And so the reason I kind of did Black Blurred Explorer is because I kind of, you know, combined things I love, travel, food, gaming, anime, and, and stuff like that, comic, uh, Marvel, DC, anime, manga, stuff like that. So I kind of like fused both things I enjoy, you know? So you said Black Nerd. Do you yes, feel blurred. like this is, you know, that's, that's not a, because um, growing up, that wasn't a cool thing to be a nerd. Do you right. think that the time yeah. has turned and changed? Oh, definitely, definitely. Uh, obviously, the nurse, we all grew up. This way, not high school or college anymore. Somebody's going to care about that stuff. And also because the MCU uh, made, you know, Marvel comic world movies made reading comics, media Marvel comics more popular in a way. And of course, uh, and I hate to say it, but obviously, you know, like Zuck the Zuckerbergs, you know, uh, owners of the social media apps, like, you know, being quote, quote, Rich nerd is more popular. It's more cool, more trendy. Yeah, and 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 you know, I, I've I've talked about that um, openly because, you know, back in the day, you you know, being a dummy, <laughs> you was yeah. cool though. You know what I mean? Like, as long as you were cool, it was all right. You know, you were fine. What you call a nerd to help you do your work. 
And that was that. But now it's just like it's out there, you know, um, understanding the computer tech, being tech, you know, savvy and things of that nature, um, knowing how to crunch the numbers, knowing, you know, knowing your math, literally, you know, um, is a cool thing to be. And then you got even people who you know weren't, weren't what you call nerds in school trying to revert and, you know, follow that trend. So um, has that do you feel like that's helped you? from a self-esteem perspective or just moving forward with your business? Oh, definitely. Um, again, can makes my, my, I guess kind of my content, you know, stand out more, you know, maybe stand out as of like other uh, travel content creators, like travel content creators. Because again, because um, <clears throat> most of them, you're typical, you got Black Nerd, you know, Black Power uh, content, you know, Black Woman Pride, all that stuff, which is great. They got their own stuff and they do good jobs, but I, provide uh, type, uh, type of travel content that nobody really talks about as much. Yeah. And again, because since my thing is, you know, trying to reach other black uh, fan, anime, comic, manga, gaming fans and whatnot, travelers. So, that, so I feel like my content helps make, blends in more, uh, involves more people, encourage more people to check out my content because I kind of attracts, my content, my theme is kind of attracts more people in a way. Yeah. Yeah. So your goal going forward, I mean, I know you have the two books and you're already working mm-hmm. on a third book. Um, where, where's your entrepreneurial path lead you um, going forward? Where do you see it taking you? Maybe I'll continue to make more books in the future. Uh, again, we'll have to see what happens in the third book, of course. Uh, after, the, after the third book, I'm probably going to take a break. I'm writing for a while. Yeah, uh, I understand. I, I got we'll three of my own. Yeah, yeah. I got three of my own. So the name of this podcast is Star Talk, and uh, the acronym is Stand Tall and Reclaim Victory Every Day. So you have trans, you have went all the way to the other side of the world. You know, put yourself in a situation um, where you know you're, you're far away from home, far away from what you know. Like you said, you stand out. You'll stand out in America, being you know as tall as you are. But now yeah. you're in, in you're over in Korea, and you you know. Six, seven, you said? Yep. Um, not just six, seven, but six, seven black brother. Then, you know, that's why, you know, affectionately called Big Phil. Yeah. And, and then, you know, uh, you went alone, right? You didn't go with a spouse or anything like that. You went alone, nope, right? I went by myself. Yep, you went by yourself. Um, what does stand tall and reclaiming victory every day mean to you going through your challenges and going through your, pro- your process? Mm, I guess... For me, is getting out of your comfort zone, like going do something different that's outside the norm. I guess, quote unquote. Uh, again, most folk go home, do the rat race, buy a house, get married, have kids, and all that jazz. No, nah, that's not for me. Uh, I guess for my way of saying talk victory, victories, my way is like, okay, I don't really follow all the tropes that everybody does, and I feel I'm able to achieve more, do things more that I would never done that if I stayed in the U.S. Like, I would never ever thought about writing two books or, you know, came up with the idea of writing a two book or push myself to do that if yeah. I didn't, if I stayed in the same spot in my life. I, you know, um, real quick question before we wrap up. You had, you just said something um, that, that struck a chord with me. So did you find it harder? I mean, I know mentally you made the decision to write a book, but you now that you're in the publishing process, is the publishing process harder to do over in Korea or is it easier 
or just as easy um, as it is in, in the States? I assume that's right. Easy. Now, I use a company called Publish Drive, okay. like an independent uh, company. So what happens is I pay a subscription fee per every month. In exchange, uh, I get access. I, I get to upload and sell all my books to, like, say, Amazon, Google Play Books, Apple Books, and I push out the retail stores. Okay. All uh, right. Uh, compared to, like, say, if I just upload just only to straight Amazon or straight Google. It's and okay. Of course, so I keep said... all the royalties on the taxes. Oh, okay. So you use Publish Drive. Yeah, that's the that's the website I'm using. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Just wanted to know that. Um, because again, people, like you said uh, earlier, people are doing stuff here freely. And then, you know, you gotta, you might go to another place and be like, Hey, it's a whole different ball game over here. So you gotta recalibrate. So that's, that was definitely good to know for the authors, um, that's listening, but yeah, man, let everybody know, um, how they can stay in touch with you, give them your website, um, your social media, so they can stay in touch with you and personally, personally your book and support what you got going on. Yeah, yeah, so um, two books, The Black Trials Guide to Inchon, I-N-C-H-E-O-N, and The Black Trials Guide to Daegu, D-A-E-G-U. You can find it on my, uh, Amazon right now, the ebook formats only. Also, uh, you can follow my Instagram and TikTok videos. I'm on Instagram and TikTok uh, at the Blurred Explorer, B-L-E-R-D, Blurred Explorer. And yeah, if you've got questions, hit me up there. Yeah, thank you, man. Thank you for the education. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for staying up a little bit for uh, with us. Yeah. You know, um, again, thank you for making us, uh, you know, uh, relevant in Korea. <laughs> no, no, so, thank you for having me on. No problem, man. And, uh, you know, you guys know how to keep in contact with us. Go to youtube.com um, backslash starve talk, www.jhaleem.com to keep up with me. I won't starve.com. Follow the movement. I am Jay Halim on all platforms, all social media platforms, at Star of Talk on, on all the social media platforms. Just stay connected with us, subscribe, and listen, we're internationally known, not just in Europe anymore or Canada. We're in South Korea now. So, you know, shout out to, you know, to the Blurred Explorer, my, my big man, Big Phil. Uh, you got to take that. You got to get a shirt with Big Phil on it, man, and wear it over there. But now, nah, um, we th- again, we just thank you so much, man. And uh, we're going to try to keep it as, as exclusive as possible every week. Y'all already know. Stay tuned. And we'll see y'all next time. I'm in the studio with Jay Holly. I'm in the studio with Jay Holly. In the studio with Jay Holly. I am in the studio with Jay Holly. I'm in the studio with Jay Holly. You are now in the studio with Jay Holly. <laughs>